Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can find me on Twitter at HRLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Your Story Transmedia, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher based in the Winnipeg area. If you're a comic book geek or a video gamer and looking for something with a bit more of a local flavor, you should check out YourStory.ca, where you can find their full collection of interesting comics, including their brand new flagship comic, The River Knows, which is set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a supernatural noir detective series set in the very familiar parts of Winnipeg, but with added layers of cosmic horror, hard-boiled detective grit, and X-Files mystery. You can purchase an ebook version of The River Knows at YourStory.ca for just $1.99. And if you'd like a hard copy, highly limited, first print, 85 by 11 magazine-style versions are also available for $11.99. If you're into the gaming side of things, be sure to check out their upcoming game, Alien Machine Glow, which launches soon. It centers around the hijinks of a cucumber farmer who gains the ability to see aliens. You can learn more about Alien Machine Glow, as well as Your Story's other great comics at YourStory.ca, and when you place an order, be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Again, that is one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order at YourStory.ca. On tonight's episode, we are going to be recapping plenty of NHL action because we have quite a few updates, including a new coach hiring, some deal signings that involve the Minnesota Wild, as well as some game recaps that'll be upcoming as the Vegas-Dallas series has concluded and we have the Tampa Bay and New York Islanders series currently ongoing. But before we get into the NHL action, let's talk about the hiring today. And this is Peter Laviolette to the Washington Capitals. This is kind of a weird hiring for me because I feel like Laviolette is somebody who can kickstart a team in the sense that he's got a fiery personality. And I think as far as players go, I'm sure that there are plenty of guys who respect his coaching direction. They think that he can be inspirational and he brings a veteran presence behind the bench. With Todd Reardon and the Capitals, I think what they found was that Todd just didn't have enough experience as a head coach. As an assistant coach, I think Reardon is fantastic. He was pivotal part of this team when they actually ended up winning the Stanley Cup, and I'd be remiss if I didn't indicate that he was a, a really important part of the coaching staff, because I think that his head coaching role as as a member of the Caps, people tend to think that he was very poor at it, which I think that there were things that he definitely didn't do well, and, and certainly I think the Caps really struggled to play the kind of hockey that is expected of this team, but I I think Todd just doesn't have enough experience. He's a pretty young coach, and I feel like this was maybe a little bit too much to ask. You know, Washington has very tight salary restrictions when it comes to signing NHL head coaches, and internally they don't really like to spend on those guys, which is why they let Trotz walk to the Islanders. Given what happened in the playoffs, the Caps kind of recognized that they needed to hire a, a more expensive veteran coach who can actually make an impact with this roster because a lot of the players are exiting their primes, they're starting to age out, and this core is essentially getting to the point where there are not too many playoff runs left in it. I think the idea of hiring somebody like LaViolette is better in some respects than the reality because LaViolette doesn't really have the kind of impact that I think fits this roster. Peter is definitely okay defensively, but as far as creating offense is concerned, I think that his style tends to favor a lot of back-end scoring from his defensemen rather than getting his forwards into those prime high-danger areas. And for me, when you have a roster that's got Jakob Vrana, Nicholas Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Alexander Ovechkin, TJ Oshie... I mean, look at that top six, right? That's an amazing unit with a ton of scoring talent. So if you have a coach that tends to neutralize a lot of even-strength offense in favor of even-strength defense, then I'm not really sure that that's a great fit. I think that Laviolette would make sense for a team that has limited talent. A team like the 2014-15 Jets, where you needed a more grindy forecheck, 
you needed a, a bit more zone pressure to create offensive opportunities by just grinding down and wearing down your opponents. And so I'm not really sure that LaViolette's going to do that well with Washington. You know, the Caps are in a bit of a tenuous state. Their defense definitely needs work. I think the team defense as a whole has struggled. The forwards are, are definitely having a little bit of issue getting up the ice. And I don't know how much LaViolette is going to be the antidote to these issues. You know, Gerard Gallant is out there, and Gallant plays a very up-tempo, high-paced game, which I think might have been a better fit for the Caps. Bruce Boudreau is also currently unemployed, and somebody suggested that maybe he should be brought back as an assistant coach, which I'd be very cool with. I think Boudreau is a super nice guy. He's got familiarity with Washington. I think that the Caps would probably welcome him back in some capacity. And he's a very smart coach, and I think that that is something that Washington could definitely use if they're going to have somebody who is more low event and less exciting. Speaking of low event hockey and Bruce Boudreau, we are going to talk about the Minnesota Wild signing Jonas Brodeen. Brodeen is one of those guys who I think is a little bit undervalued because he's a defensive defenseman, but he's actually good at defending. You know, when people talk a lot about shutdown D, there are usually these stay-at-home guys who don't really have the ability to either facilitate zone exits or shut down shooting and passing lanes effectively. There are more of these shot-blocking types, and I don't think that that's really the kind of skill set that the modern NHL is looking for. Brodeen, on the other hand, is a modern NHL shutdown back-end player, and that does have value in this league. What is kind of surprising is that he was signed for seven years at just over $5 million. I think a lot of opinions have been a little bit polarized on this, not really in the sense that people think that it's a bad deal or a great deal. I think it's more like it's just hard to get a sense of, is this really great value, is it fair value, or is it is it slightly undervalued for what it is? And undervalue meaning that they're not quite getting as much as they're paying for, which I think in some ways they're, they're definitely overpaying slightly. I think that the impact that Brodeen has is definitely all in the defensive end, and it is really stout defensive work. Like, if Jonas is on the ice, it's going to be a brutal time trying to score against him. He just doesn't really let you get towards the front of the net, and he tends to lock down the entire area in front of his goalie. So that's, that's a very good positive thing. But he also doesn't really help you in offensive transition or in the offensive zone, which I think is an, a really important skill for blue line skaters to possess because increasingly we're moving to days where blue liners are essentially fourth forwards on that back end. How they impact and affect your, your zone tactics, especially in the offensive zone, is kind of critical. And it's something that, as of yet, we're still trying to figure out. And I'm not sure that Brodeen is the kind of guy that I would be looking to a, a major component of their future offensive zone progressions. In his own end, he's more than rock solid. He's literally a rock. I mean, he's somebody that you can rely on for almost any situation, and he's willing to eat up tons of minutes. But I, I think that is kind of the extent of what he does. And I don't know if I like seven years at five million or a little bit above five million for that specific role. I don't know if you could get a better deal elsewhere. It just seems like a little bit much for what he brings. If the deal was like four years and four and a half to five million, I probably wouldn't bat much of an eye. But he's going to be like 33 to 34 at the end of his contract, which is not old, mind you. He's, he's only 27 right now, but by the same token, I just don't know if his game is the kind that really brings a lot of long-term value, especially through the duration of his contract. We just don't see many players like him getting signed to massive deals, and this is kind of one of those bigger ones. So color me a little bit more cautious than usual on this one. Speaking of needing to maybe be a bit cautious about upside and things, we're going to be talking next about the Dallas Stars somehow beating the Vegas Golden Knights and whether or not they really stand a chance of doing much in the Stanley Cup Finals. But before then, I thought you should know about the wonderful opportunities available with DoorDash. 
If you're like me during quarantine, trying to pick out dinner for the family can be a little bit of a challenge. Everyone wants something different, we all have different tastes, and sometimes you're just craving a bit of a change of pace. Trying to make everyone happy is pretty difficult, especially if one person wants pizza, somebody else wants frozen yogurt, and maybe the third person is looking for Chinese or Thai. If you're looking for a one-stop solution to all these issues, go ahead and download the DoorDash app. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is super easy. Just open the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery option. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to restaurants or choose from your favorite national chains including Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are on DoorDash, so be sure to check out their entire selection of stores and partners. Now, more than ever, supporting your local businesses is incredibly important, and you can even get rewarded for it. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Again, that's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL. While you may have your food delivery options sorted, picking out car parts is a little bit of a different story. Keeping your vehicle in tip-top shape can be a bit of a challenge, especially when you need to order replacement parts. Thankfully, the fine folks at rockauto.com have made ordering replacement parts easier than ever before. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to quickly sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle and a price range on the parts so that you get what you need at the price you want. And best of all, there's absolutely zero membership fees, and everyone pays the same price no matter their experience level, whether you're a neophyte DIYer or a veteran mechanic. With rockauto.com, you can save anywhere from 20 to 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. And you can save yourself the time and hassle of going out, waiting in line, and finding out the store you're at doesn't even have the part you're looking for. To save yourself time and money, just head on over to rockauto.com and place your order today. And when you do, be sure to write locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. Welcome back to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets show. We are starting to get closer to the end of our round three conference finals Stanley Cup playoff coverage. We are starting us off with a recap of last night's Dallas versus Vegas game in which the Dallas Stars have finally knocked off the Vegas Golden Knights. In one of the more surprising series, Dallas just ended up somehow surviving this Vegas offense and and really I'm kind of amazed that it kind of ended up this way I will be 100% honest and say that I thought Dallas was going to be out in five or six games but instead the the Stars have managed to beat one of the best teams in the league in five games and as I've said throughout most of the series a lot of it is probably attributed to Anton Hudobin Hudobin was fantastic in net he made tons of great saves and and I think the way that the Stars approached this was that they knew they really couldn't beat Robin Lerner or Marc-Andre Fleury with cheap tricks. So they basically just shoved everything that they could real close in front of the net, try to create some chaos, and hope something pans out. Because they didn't really take too, too many shots from great distances. I mean, like Klingberg and Heiskinen took a few distance point shots. But for the most part, this is a team that has a low shot volume in most of their games in comparison to what Vegas does, which is just throw everything at the net and look for a lot of cross-sea movement to try and get the goalie maybe cheating a little bit or not quite on his angles right, pretty much anything to create a chaotic situation that Vegas can capitalize on. And you thought, well, you know, maybe Dallas wasn't going to really be able to survive that. But instead, somehow the Stars have come through, and they actually did it in pretty impressive fashion. This game, though, definitely did not start off on the best foot for, for Dallas. 
Vegas ended up scoring a breakaway goal from Chandler Stevenson after a bit of a lucky neutral zone bounce of some sort, or maybe it was a really good pass. I don't 100% remember, but the puck ended up finding its way to Stevenson. Chandler streaked down the ice like the gazelle that he is, and he ended up going five-hole to score the opening goal. And then nothing happened in the second period where, you know, Dallas definitely was trying to push a bit, but really couldn't create many great opportunities. And Vegas just does Vegas. I think the impressive thing about the Knights is that they just keep on doing the same thing for the most part. And the only reason that they deviate from their plan is if they're just not able to execute and create. You kind of thought, though, that at the start of the third period, they might actually put this one away because Riley Smith scored a second goal and things kind of looked up for them. They had been doing a pretty good job managing the game. You know, Dallas definitely had some high danger opportunities, but Lerner was pretty sharp in net. The Stars weren't really able to create a whole lot in in terms of volume. And for the most part, things look like, yeah, you know, Vegas was going to come through and maybe get a chance to try and get back in the series. But then, you know, around the midway point of the, the frame, you started getting some weird stuff. Jamie Benn ended up capitalizing on a little bit of chaos in front of the net that saw Lerner kind of sprawled out, and he potted a nice little rebound goal. And at first I thought, well, maybe somebody was going to challenge it, but there was no interference on the play. And I was thinking, you know, is Vegas going to blow this? And then, you know, towards the end of the period, they in fact did blow it because they took a late penalty. And Yoel Kiviranta, who apparently is is like the bane of Vegas's existence, scored his fourth goal of the series and put the Stars in a chance to go to overtime. Go to overtime they did, and Dennis Kirianov, just a few minutes into the period, took advantage of Zach Whitecloud popping the puck over the side of the glass and scored the game-winning and series-winning goal on the power play. What I think we saw from Dallas is that they definitely have a bit of a scrappy mentality. This is not a team that really knows how to, say, die in terms of of giving up and, and really being worried about opposing teams that are stronger than they are on paper. Sagan had a funny comment after not really recording too many goals throughout this postseason. He said something like, analytics don't really tell much of a story in terms of hockey, and I feel like that's not entirely true. I think he's, I get what he's saying, you know, he's a guy on the ice, he's basically just focused on playing the game, so underlying metrics and stats aren't really something that he has to think about, especially in his day-to-day applications. But I think what we did see is that Anton Hudobin and Dallas's kind of scrappy and gritty approach has paid off against teams who don't exactly have really high-end scoring talent. Vegas is kind of an exception because I think the Knights create lots of offense by a lot of movement and speed that often gets teams slipping. But, you know, if Tampa Bay wins tonight's game, I'm not really sure that Dallas is going to be able to repeat their same successes. We're seeing the Isles, who also have limited scoring talent, really struggling to get going against this team. And I think that that is something that Dallas is going to struggle with as well because, you know, the Stars are capable of creating offense, especially a lot of net front chaos. But that actually means you have to get down in front of their net And it's going to be hard for the Stars to create much if their top six isn't in top form. Regardless of whatever Sagan says, he knows that he probably wants to get going a bit more and creating a bit more than he has so far. He and the rest of that top six really need to get going and and create some offense because that depth forward unit is going to have a hard time when they have to face the likes of Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. You know, those dudes have found a really good niche on that team and they're all extremely talented and and good at creating lots of forechecking opportunities, scoring chances down low, and just grinding out goals. So Dallas, if, if they have to face Tampa Bay next, it's going to be an uphill battle. Speaking of Tampa Bay and New York, in just a moment, we will take a live look at the game and see what exactly is going on because this is a pivotal elimination match for the New York Islanders, and maybe they are going to be able to pull out this one if they can find a way to solve Andre Vasilevsky and their own goal-scoring issues. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I've lost my mojo, 
or we just avoid it altogether with excuses like I've had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. For a lot of guys, it's just an embarrassing and difficult topic to approach. But thankfully, Roman's here to help. With Roman, it's easy to talk about ED with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the safety and comfort of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started with Roman is super easy. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare pro and get the help you need. Closing us out tonight, we have a live look in at the New York Islanders versus Tampa Bay Lightning, as well as a little bit of thoughts about whether or not the Lightning and the Isles have played a particularly great game. The game is currently heading into the third period. Right now we're just about to hit the second period intermission and it is locked in a 1-1 dead heat. And the shots on goal for either side are 11 shots for New York and 15 shots for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's a bit of a low event game by both team standards. And I think that this is probably what we expected from New York just because I think that they're they're basically fighting for their playoff survival at this point. And it's been a bit of a, bit of a rough series. You know, I think the thing about the New York Islanders is that they're a decent team in terms of the way that they play. Their style can be really effective against teams who aren't the Tampa Bay Lightning. As I've mentioned before, Tampa Bay is one of those teams that doesn't really need to dominate at even strength to win. This is like a squad that's just built to beat you with with really good shooting talent and playmaking ability at almost every level of their squad, and they don't even have to actually you know, control the, the run of play in terms of creating lots of scoring opportunities and whatnot in order to really hurt you quickly. To New York's credit, though, I think they've managed things, at least defensively speaking, pretty well. This is a, a tight game and one in which both teams have had trouble getting to the net. There haven't been too many clear-cut opportunities for either team to get on the board beyond a couple of opportunities that either went off the post or maybe just missed a bit wide. On the aisle's end of things, Ryan Pulak has opened their scoring sheet with a beautiful one-timer fed from Nick Letty on the power play. Probably one of the few positive contributions Nick Letty has made on the power play. I think that a lot of times the play tends to die on his stick, especially when it comes to the offensive zone. But he gave a nice assist to to Pulak, but I think it's mostly just Pulak having a really hard one-timer. Side note, if the Jets can get one of Ryan Pulak or Adam Pellick out of uh, out of the Islanders, or maybe even Devin Taves if, if New York is willing to deal, those would be ideal trade targets for the defense. As I said earlier, though, Tampa Bay is one of those teams that doesn't have to dominate you in order to score, and once again, we did see that with Victor Hedman, who, in combination with Blake Coleman and Luke Shen, ended up tying the game at the beginning of the second period. No matter what, you just can't give Tampa Bay a second chance rebound or anything like that because they are so good at punishing you on any sort of mistake or an opportunity where they can just clean a goal up. The Lightning got pretty close to uh, actually taking the lead in the second period after Carter Hagee ended up scoring a goal. I think one of his teammates ended up beating Scott Mayfield in the corner on a foot race, and I don't know if Mayfield was just not paying attention, or he actually correctly assessed that there was an offside play leading up to Verhage's entry. Whatever the case, Mayfield kind of got rocked around in the corner, and, you know, the the turnover resulted in Tampa Bay getting a nice passing outlet to the net, and Verhage ended up being the one to score it. Thankfully for Mayfield, his mistake ended up going unpunished because video review ruled that, in fact, the play was pretty decently offside heading into the offensive zone entry, and the score was back to 1-1. New York did get a couple of opportunities late in the period to try and at least get a lead, but the power play opportunities and stuff that they got, they didn't really do much with. 
And I think that's been the story of this entire series is the Islanders just don't really have enough weapons to, to make the most of their opportunities because they do get them. It's not like Tampa Bay has played a perfect series. I think what we're seeing with the Lightning is that, you know, Tampa Bay is, is a pretty good team on paper. In fact, the best team on paper, right? But they don't always play up to those standards. Even when they don't play up to those standards, though, it doesn't matter. Their shooting talent and skill has time and again carried them through some of their rougher patches, and, you know, the Islanders don't really have the kind of firepower to answer back beyond a couple of opportunities. This upcoming third period, it's it's all or nothing at this point for New York, and they really need to figure out a way to solve this lightning defense. If they can squeeze out that last goal and hold the fort down somehow, maybe they can come back in this series, but otherwise it's going to be a pretty quick series, and we'll be looking at Tampa Bay versus Dallas. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. Have a great night, and go Jets go!